The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. I am Mike the Hobbit, your host through this wonderland of reboots, remakes, uh, sequels, sidequels, reimaginings, and everything else you can imagine. <laughs> and tonight we have one of my favorite cult classics from the 1980s, Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. An absolutely fantastic film with a cornucopia of incredibly well-known actors. A lot of them before they were really renowned for their... Uh, for the stuff, this was pre-RoboCop, I believe. So Peter Weller wasn't even really Peter Weller, Peter, Peter Weller at this point. He was just known as Buckaroo Banzai at, at this point. That's so. totally correct. And actually, um, his role in Buckaroo Banzai is part of what led them to cast him in RoboCop. So this gave him his like sci-fi chops to become RoboCop. That's amazing. So without this, you might have had, I don't know, uh, Chuck Norris as RoboCop or something. I'm trying to think of somebody from Canon Films that would have taken it over. God, the dude from American heartbreak. Ninja uh, would have been RoboCop. <laughs> no, we're not. No, that would be bad. So, I know my face doesn't translate through podcast, but just imagine horror through teeth. What does translate is uh, your beautiful voice here <laughs> with me tonight to talk all things the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai is Murphy Lawless from Burlesque Right Meow. 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 Right, meow. You just did a recent burlesque that involved Adventure Time. Yes, we did. Uh, at Firehouse Theaters this past Sunday. And um, I want to go back and be Susan Strong again, please and thank you. I saw the outfit. It looked <laughs> so good. It thank looked you. so good. I'm, I'm mad that I missed it. I'm uh, excited for the, whatever you have coming up next. Which Do you have anything on the plate at this point? Yeah, actually, um, coming up really soon. Um, so... I'm not going to be in these shows immediately. So these are the next three coming up. So the one I'm going to be in that's non-burlesque related is May 9th at Fallout. I will be part of Bibliophilia. I'm planning on being out for that. That looks so much fun. I'm so excited. Um, And if y'all have ever heard of My Immortal... Hold on to your garter not, straps. Not the Evanescence song. Um. Oh, I mean, it might as well be. They're both written equally well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, gives away my feelings about Evanescence a little bit. Uh, uh, for those unfamiliar with Bibliophilia, it's a uh, stage performance of uh, slash fic or fanfic, uh, like erotic fiction. Mm-hmm. It's uh, fanfic, slash fix, poorly written erotica. I've read um, Dinosaur Erotica. I now have a Chuck Tingle book on my phone. Chuck Tingle, by the way, if you have not seen, even seen the covers of Chuck Tingle, follow him on Facebook or his social medias, because this... Guy is so prolific with his dinosaur and butthole related uh, novelizations that it's ridiculous. 
It's incredible. And I just, um, just because I love saying this phrase out loud, just because it exists. Um, the story I read from last time was called Bigfoot Sommelier Butt Taster. Uh, that is the name of my, <laughs> oh, what would that be a cover band of? Uh, I the, think we're in grindcore at this point. Yeah, that's grindcore. That's, yeah, that's definitely a grindcore band. Um, yep. Just with originals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Not even a cover band. No, yeah, not absolutely. even. Absolutely. Straight. And all of those titles are going to be like that, too. It goes downhill from the name of the band. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but uh, besides that, the next night, I, I sadly won't be part of the show. Um, but um, if y'all are celebrating or want to go out and have a good time at Strange Ways Brewing, you can ca- catch our monthly show, uh, Pores and Pasties which um, will feature a fantastic stand-up comic, a bunch of really talented burlesque and variety performers from around the area. I am deeply impressed with how many variety performers are in the Richmond area that are like mm-hmm. genuinely good at what they do. <laughs> and to the point where just like, I've normally compared it to the Richmond restaurants where you're getting like high quality, like borderline Michelin star quality restaurant food that is like very reasonable and affordable and approachable and you don't have to wait like two months to get a reservation. That's the performers in this town where everybody that puts their time and blood, sweat and tears into this stuff and are putting their hearts out on the line to do these shows every month for people to enjoy. And it's just, you literally go to a brewery and like spend a couple bucks, get some beer and you have a great freaking weekend. And yes, please. And thank you. Come join us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good time. You will not be disappointed. Um, and speaking of uh, our cover bands, at the end of this month, um, I don't know what dates are because I'm uh, a fool who doesn't know how to tell time when I'm not at work. Um, <laughs> I understand that. Uh, but on, <laughs> I-, I can feel my my friends wanting to wring my neck, and I don't blame them. So, oh, uh, what's, but, what's the cover band? So it's um it's actually not a cover band. We're doing an all cover songs show called uncovered at the end of may it's the i want to say the last friday in may i'll have to double check and um i'll make a post about it just find me online at murphy lawless on facebook um but yeah it's all cover songs i'm unbelievably excited about it because there's so many good covers i think that's the same weekend yeah that is the same weekend as galaxy con so now the the plus side of that though is that it, uh, any of our out of town listeners that want to come into Richmond for GalaxyCon because we've got four of our shows actually doing live events there, they can come in, hit GalaxyCon early on Friday when everything's starting to peter out a little bit on Friday evening. They can go check out the show, um, uncovered, and then come back and party with all the nerds. And then Saturday, Sunday, like hit up the rest of the con and be Bob's your uncle. Uh, great weekend in Richmond. So. They're still going to be partying with a bunch of nerds because we're all giant nerds. Um, and the show is going to be at Gallery 5. So it's actually going to be right down the street from where Galaxy Con that is. is. Like, that's so, like walking distance to the so, convention center. I mean, honestly, I recommend be, like taking a mini con break and then hitting up like Jake Hoagie, getting some food and then coming over or Guar Bar and then coming yeah, Guar over. Guar Bar is like around the corner yeah, from Galaxy literally. 5. So yeah. Guar Bar is walking distance yeah, from the con, so is Gallery 5. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all right in that same area, so it's not going to mm-hmm. be hard to bounce around between the two. So mm-hmm. that sounds like a fantastic weekend to me. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. I'm I'm planning on being a Galaxy Con so I can harass you. Oh, so. my God, it's going to be so good. I'm oh, I'm so excited about the possibilities of SmackDown pitch up there. We're working on some stuff, so we'll oh. we'll see. But, but the SmackDown pitch up this evening, though, is all about the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which 
has this entire mythos around it, uh, partially due to, you know, the comics that are related to it, partially because of the weird licensing issues that prevented its sequel from coming out. Mm -hmm. There was a point where Kevin Smith was tapped to do a TV series based on Buckaroo Banzai, but again, with licensing issue stuff, it ended up not coming through. Specifically because MGM sued the original creators. Yeah. Um, because they there's a big to-do over who has the right to pick and choose who's going to be in a Buckaroo Banzai sequel. So we're just going to solve that problem for them tonight. Yeah, I think both <laughs> of us had it in our minds before we even talked to each other about it that Buckaroo Banzai isn't a film that we don't want to necessarily remake so much as mm -mm. fulfill the destiny that is Buckaroo Banzai and actually create the sequel that was hinted at at the very end of the film involving the World Crime Syndicate. Exactly. So a lot of the same characters are going to be involved, but a matter of... Uh, how we do it is up to the uh, <laughs> the choices of the uh, panelists here. So that's right. ultimately, the way this works, if you have not listened to a smack my pitch up before, uh, we basically take a property and then we talk about a reboot, remake, reimagining, sequel, sidequel of our choice. And we do a version that we think might actually work, like that we pick actors and actresses that we think are actually good choices for these characters. And then we do a fun take on it. it may not be funny. It may be a super serious or gritty or like German noir or whatever version of it that we want to kind of take on and just kind of play with that world that was created by that film. So basically there's four versions of this film that we're going to drop in for you this evening. Pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, because I had a super wordy opening, I want to tell you the super wordy title that we narrowly avoided having instead of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Um, because initially when this film was pitched, and I just love it and I want to get this in there before I forget, um, they pitched it with the title, Find the Jet Car, Said the President, a Buckaroo Banzai Thriller. <laughs> the jet car is absolutely kind of the main character almost in oh, absolutely. Buckaroo Banzai. I mean, it's... It's the uh, Maltese Falcon, uh, the MacGuffin of Buckaroo Banzai is the jet car. So it absolutely needs to be part, for me at least, in the uh, in the sequel. I'm interested to see if you have similar feelings or not on your version, which that's how we're going to start actually, is to kind of go over our basic overview on what we want to do with our sequels for Buckaroo Banzai. So if you are interested in kind of sharing sharing with the group <laughs> your, uh, your interests <laughs> for a sequel your ideas for a i'm gonna tell you each of my directors right off the bat and tell you like the vision i have building from them okay because i think that that'll works. that'll make the world make sense as i'm like crafting fair enough okay <laughs> um cool. so um <laughs> i'm gonna start with the my more i guess quote unquote serious one as serious as you're gonna get with buckaroo bonsai because i don't want this to be like super serial science fiction um, because it's not. And I think that's part of the beauty of it. Absolutely. Um, but so for my I, I, what I want for the directors for my serious one is I want a tag team. And, and the reason I want a tag team will make sense in a second, um, because I want Ryan Johnson and Oliver Thomas. And if the name Oliver Thomas isn't familiar, that's totally fair. He's been primarily an animation director. But um, most recently, if you have seen the series Love, Death, and Robots oh, on yes, Netflix, absolutely. he directed the short Good Hunting. Was that the one in the alternate universe with, with the With the, the Kitsune. The... With the Kitsune, she um, started off as the, the fox demon that would go between fox oh, demon and no. woman. Okay, that's and a then steadily yeah, no, became 
more tech-based as the world progressed. Sure. Um, and I think that the reason I've cast these two together is because obviously Ryan Johnson has some serious sci-fi chops. Oh, clearly. Like, I mean, we've got Looper and Star Wars under that belt. And I think that... One also can run with the drama too. Like mm -hmm. if you haven't seen Brick, uh, Brick is an absolutely fantastic film that, that uh, he did well before his years in the Star Wars universe mm -hmm. uh, that uh, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's absolutely fantastic for mm -hmm. a super indie film. And well worth a watch. That's kind of where he got his uh, teeth cut was on that film. Makes sense. So, I, uh, I, I definitely appreciate it. Like, Looper really hooked me. Um, don't get me wrong. I love Star Wars. But um, watching Looper, um, like, hooked me in a way that, like, I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, my God. Why can I not stop watching this? And I watched, like, Looper and um, Edge of Tomorrow back to back. Oh, I think nice. That's part of what nice, like, nice time I, travel uh, combo there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I think that because of their exper his experience with that, um, I think will lend itself really well to a more updated sequel to Buckaroo Banzai. Um, and then with Oliver Thomas, be I paired him with Ryan Johnson because I think that their visions are going to run along the same lines, um, but that the way that he crafted that tech world and still kept it as like a relatively calm setting amidst the violence I think is really important for Buckaroo. Yeah. Because Buckaroo keeps his calm, like no matter Absolutely, what. Absolutely. Yeah. Like no matter what's happening to him, like he'll grit his teeth. He might bleed a little. People die and Buckaroo's like, well, there you are. <laughs> I actually kept that in mind with my serious casting for mm -hmm. sure on, That's on that. Awesome. So, um, so, uh, this is in this world, like once again, like we, t we had talked about how both of us were thinking about against the world crime, crime league. Um, and I'm really fascinated with the, cause I haven't gotten to read the comics. So all of the crafting of like his arch nemesis, Hanoi Shen, um, I've done in my brain. Um, and I'll, I've merged it with another property that I'll, I'll spring on you later. Okay. <laughs> um, right. that I think you, you may, you may have already been leaning towards it as like, where you think, I think my brain is going with this, but basically, um, so in the comics, it's a 10-year difference, which would bring us into like the early 90s because um, Bucker Bonsai came out in 84. Yep. Um, and I, while I want it to be like mid-90s era setting, um, I want it to be like vastly updated tech because this is Buckaroo Bonsai. Like we've got the oscillating overthruster. Yeah. You know, um, we've already broken through the eighth dimension. We've, we're going to do all kinds of stuff. Um and I want them to be extremely active in those 10 years. But basically, like, during these 10 years, like, some of the faces that we've come to know and love have gotten, like, more acquainted with running with Buckaroo. Like, New Jersey has come into his own. Penny Pretty has come into their own. I mean, New Jersey got his chops mm -hmm. pretty well. Like, he was he was trial by fire going mm -hmm. in. Like, he was basically not, kind of an outsider at the very beginnings of the first movie. And then was, like, running side by side with Buckaroo through most of that film. So... No, I... uh, we're of course talking about the character that was uh, portrayed by Jeff Goldblum mm -hmm. in uh, in Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, in that fantastic uh, red outfit. Oh my goodness, that cowboy outfit that he wears is because you know all the best cowboys come from Jersey. They it's... might. I'm not going to judge them, but um, Jeff Goldblum, if you're listening, I need an updated shoot in that red outfit, yes, please and thank clearly. you for the good of the world. And as everyone knows that listens, Jeff Goldblum is a avid fan of <laughs> Smack My Pitch Up, listens to every episode, uh, sends me a text 
after the release. Oh, good job again. You know, I always. like to dream big for you, man. You know what? Like, <laughs> so there's always the possibility that there's some actor or actress, well-known mm-hmm. actor or actress, that's sitting in their trailer trying to find something to do that has fallen across this podcast. And uh, if that happens, I almost kind of don't want to know because I would definitely <laughs> like feel self-conscious a little bit, being like, <laughs> "All right, well." Tom Hanks really likes the show. <laughs> <laughs> so literally every time casting Tom Hanks in my dumb ideas. So maybe not. Oh goodness. Uh, but yeah, so the against the world crime league with Hanoi Shan, his arch anim- uh, arch nemesis, 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 or dangerously close to a mystery men quote. Um, <laughs> I was just going to um, start singing uh, the song that they might be giants and Jonathan Colton did together <laughs> called nemesis. Sorry, I was worried I was going to snort, so I leaned away from you. No, it's like two different nerd uh, <laughs> approaches to the same fucking word. All right. <laughs> Means we're in the right uh, <laughs> in the right friend group here. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but basically, um, you know, we'll have our, our MacGuffin, whether it's a kidnapping or, you know, um, more, more active uh, crime all across the world where there's, you know, another great threat. To the world as we know it, where only Buckaroo can stop it, and wouldn't you know it, at long last, he comes face to face with the man who killed his parents, the man who killed his wife, Hanoi Shan. Yes. Um, so that is um, basically like my 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 overall like vision for that one, and I'm, I'm generalizing a little bit because I'm super wordy, and I really want to tell you about the, I don't want to call it a stupid one, but I think you're going to make a face at me. Well... Ultimately, also, I, I don't think there needs to be any kind of like deep nuances with this storyline because there weren't really these deep nuances in the original. It was just this really fun, incredibly campy movie that had weird aliens that looked <laughs> like the uh, one of the aliens from uh, the Orville. Oh, <laughs> like, little enemy minds. Or yeah, a little enemy, enemy mine. Yeah, <laughs> definitely some enemy mine action going on there. Oh. That we're uh, running around and and trying to fuck up Buckaroo Banzai's day, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> like even years later, a lot of people are confused about the plot. And partially, that's due to the editing where they had to cut out a lot of the Hanoi Chan stuff. Mm-hmm. They had to cut out a lot of stuff because um, they just never really got to that plot development mm-hmm. in the story on that s- side, and they wanted to condense it a little bit. So you don't, you're a little confused about the twin situation where yeah buckaroo's like yeah i married your twin sister you didn't know about so you're hot you look like her uh <laughs> way to put that in the should, best possible we way. should like i don't know maybe touch our genitals together and they didn't touch genitals i mean not on screen i mean it maybe... oh no that's right the as as the credits faded out we were led to believe that that there were kisses below the belt yes yes <laughs> there was uh definitely some buckaroo bonsai happening at the post credits, oh. everything faded to black. Yes, with an unimpressed alien watching. What I, what I love about Buckaroo Banzai is here's a international man of mystery kind of approach to the character where he's like, he's done martial arts, he's worked in genetics, he's a doctor, like he's a See, musician. You he's, say he's worked in, but like there's spe- very specific that like he is a samurai, he is a neurosurgeon, yeah. he is a rocket scientist, he is a rock star. Like he doesn't just do these things. He's a fucking master. He's the best at everything. that He, he is the best of these yeah. things. 
deal with it. Buckaroo Banzai out. Speaks 12 languages. Peace. And I feel <laughs> like that's been missing in a lot of modern film of the character <laughs> that's just like literally good at anything they even <laughs> barely try. And it's very much a kind of 80s trope oh, yeah. of these like mythical borderline superhero characters that they don't have any powers aside from the fact that they're just literally good at everything that they try. And that's Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. And I really wanted to kind of make sure that that went across, but it's really hard in modern context. So what I wanted to do with my, uh, my, my world crime sequel. Okay. Okay. Pitch, is to um, kind of make sure that it had that campiness that I loved from the original. Mm -hmm. It was very deeply important that I, made that part of the storyline storyline basically goes that the jet car is the main focus. It is the MacGuffin. It needs to be part of the sequel. Mm -hmm. So looking over kind of the scripts that have bounced around from the sequel that have are out there, they're mm -hmm. out there if you want to read them and taking aspects from that, but also kind of building it out a little bit is that this jet car has its technology has the potential of modernizing transportation across the earth. Um, and used in a way that people can almost borderline transport, like uh, teleport almost from one destination to another. It's much faster travel uh, from one destination to another. Oil execs are uh, not exactly stoked about that. There are a number of people, um, a lot of which are in the pockets of the World Crime League. So they're already with uh, Buckaroo being on their radar are now like, this is fucking up our world a little bit. And the last group to really do any real damage to Buckaroo and his crew are the aliens or the, the red lectoids, the red lectoids from the uh, eighth dimension. So uh, Hanoi Chan and company teams up with them in order to basically steal and, uh, and ruin the technologies so that they can't, basically move the humanity into a new golden age of transportation and uh, kind of shrinking the distance between people. You know, there, there's a chance of like changing, like how power is created, how transportation happens, where there's a possible new peace across humanity because of the technology that came from this little thing, you know, and that cuts out a lot of profit margin for the, crime syndicates there absolutely so they're they're going after the the jet car they're going after the technology before it gets like unveiled and processed into these new trans like mass multi-transit i'm thinking like giant buses like giant buses mm -hmm. um that use the technology so they can like shoot through the earth and it at like a high speed so you can get from by giant buses are you thinking of a train by any chance no not like that it bit. sounds like you're thinking of like a bullet train no i'm thinking more like uh, uh think about the the double decker buses okay. from london <laughs> just the way but like three it. times the size okay and i don't mean in length i mean like in full size so yeah. these absurdly large buses mm -hmm. that look like buses and even though there's no real reason for it to look like buses because the transportation style doesn't really necessitate it right like it's been honed over the few years this is by the way taking place very tail end 80s so there's okay. still a lot of that like 80s kind of mm -hmm. synth keyboard kind of action happening there with Appreciate a little bit this. of hard rack thrown in for good measure and oh, no i pitched the 90s i have grunge oh you you have grunge yeah You're... Just... no no Spin Doctors is going to be on your soundtrack? Is that? I'm going to stick with L7 if that's cool. That's fair. That yeah. is fair. <laughs> uh, so basically the Red Lectoids get involved with the Crime League and 
Buckaroo and crew need to kind of team up again with the, the black lectoids, um, the, the, uh, ones that helped them out so much in the first movie to kind of team up against. And there's also like a help them out and threaten to start a nuclear war with Russia. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> fix this by sunset or else. <laughs> well, also like he's definitely proven himself to be a, a Fair. comrade over the first movie. So yeah. they're, they're happy to help. In the meantime, there is kind of a civil war happening between the lectoids that, you know, this helps both mm-hmm. situations for them to step in and kind of change stuff. So uh, they're at immense levels of battle when uh, Buckaroo realizes that not only can this transport uh, mass distances in a short period of time through the earth and everything, mm-hmm. is that he has figured out a way to access additional dimensions. Mm-hmm. So we're not dealing with just the eighth dimension. We're dealing with like the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, but the eleventh's the max. We're gonna do like the the M theory thing where there's eleven yeah. dimensions total. Like that's the cutoff in this sci-fi. Okay, I like. It. So you can pull in like this um, opportunity for additional races and and dimensions in future episodes with mm-hmm. just like a gleaning of throwing in a couple new aliens there towards the climax of the film. Mm-hmm. The two ways I'm gonna do this is in my serious one. I want it to be a period piece at the okay. late 80s uh and i think an act, a director that would do a really good job with that is uh one james gunn because okay. he understands the camp to a level and he knows how to do uh soundtracks and and styles very uh appropriate for the for the time period so mm-hmm. i think he would do a great job and he's got a great sense of humor while being able to pull the action out at the same time so mm-hmm. great choice there uh for my not so serious I wanted to do 35 years later. Okay. Buckaroo Banzai getting the band back together kind of thing. Like literally getting the band back together to fight this menace after years and years. You're going to laugh when I tell you mine too. Um, my director is uh, one Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> if, that, if that gives you any idea on where I'm going with this. Okay. So, All right. All right. So those are my directors. So. Buckaroo Banzai and the Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might you might have nailed on the head Hong, there. The Ka- yeah. Hong Kong Cavaliers, the the not so expendable. The not so expendables. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Blazer regulars. Um, I guess the the reason that I'm I'm laughing, um, at your uh, getting the band back together kind of notion is because my funny one, my director is Wes Anderson, oh, and wow. I want and I literally want wow because the that cast is still alive. Like all of those people that I looked up, them our main cast members, they're still alive. Even like um, Professor uh, Hikita is still alive. They're just like in their eighties, and so I want like it's it's them like having to deal with this one last thing where they're like, oh Jesus Christ, we retired. What do you want from us? We're all doing different things. We don't even play music anymore. We're all still just doing our, like, you know, normal professor, neurosurgeon, you know, rocket scientist thing. We're like, we're content. Con- like, we've stopped adventuring. We've conti- we're content um, doing, you know, the our contributions to the world in a different way. But in that, like, dry sort of, like, awkwardness of Wes Anderson where they're, like, these, like, older people adventuring and and there's adorable music playing in the background as they're doing just these incredibly cheesy very waspy kind of like contributions to society kind of thing 100 percent, but with 
utterly advanced technology, but acting like it's no big deal. Like they're basically like, oh, let me change this light bulb. But they've invented an entirely new tra- type of transportation. Yeah, sure. That sort of thing. You've got like Penny Pretty, who's actually like delivering a baby that she was able to create a laser arm in utero or something too. Right. You know, that's like insane, ridiculous, campy. Right. Is able to actually like, she's she's gone on to be able to like fix cleft palates and like all sorts of other like different things that people do with where she's just like oh yeah no i know how to take care of that if you want to otherwise i've got a whole other way to help you out yeah and she's just like yeah it's no big deal by the way i also learned how to do kung fu (laughs) in the meantime right because you know running with buckaroo i mean Um, when you run with buckaroo it's probably a good idea to at least take a couple kung fu classes right no um (laughs) i mean i could i took two weeks of tongue sudo in eighth grade so i'm basically as i've put my hands are registered minor inconveniences. <laughs> for, I just uh, choked on air. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Registered minor inconvenience. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I call them. Uh, this is minor, and this is inconvenience. That's that's my two. I named my boobs more this. aggressively than you <laughs> named your fists, man. <laughs> so, so now we know that your boobs are more aggressive than my fists. We've always known this. <laughs> so I've got inconvenient fisting and you've got <laughs> i don't know that you is should that... call it inconvenient <laughs> no, fisting. That, that might be the name of the episode uh... <laughs> buckaroo bonsai and the inconvenient fisting that is i think actually how penny pretty died or in the comics buckaroo bonsai and the ag- aggressive poops and inconvenient fisting is that are we creating a porno here uh we might be uh as long as it's not directed by wes anderson <laughs> oh that's my fine. God. the most adorable <laughs> porn like hardcore adorable and awkward and everybody doesn't know what to disturbing do disturbing pornography ever yep. yes and uh at least three people die through the course of it <laughs> because wes anderson starring bill murray yeah <laughs> No, he just has a cameo. A cameo. Role he just shows up. Like, what are you guys up to? No, I just yeah. No, just is there because he's friends with Doctor Peter Weller. <laughs> <laughs> and I did want to throw out Doctor because that still makes me very happy. That doesn't make the fisting any sweeter. It's just. But like, yet, but he knows anatomy. Like Buckaroo Banzai knows anatomy. I mean, if, if anyone is going to fist if, you, if you're going to get I fisted and <laughs> be somebody that knows anatomy. Does anyone know well. the size of Peter Weller's hands before, like, without the RoboCop suit? Uh, listeners, uh, if you could <laughs> possibly find the diameter of Peter Weller's fist, <laughs> we would deeply appreciate it. It's for science. Deeply appreciate. Yeah, oh, there it is. Yes. Yeah, yep, okay. that happened. <laughs> All right, well, we're, um, we're not that deeply into the uh, episode, and we're already... Talking about fist. Yeah, and angry titties, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean... All right, so let's... Look, you knew what was going to happen. Let's get to casting. Let's change the subject entirely here. Well, but, uh, but basically, like, these aging people are still trying to... Are, are going to stop Hanoi Shan. Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, and either way, I want Hanoi Shan played by one individual, and I'll tell you that when we get there. Okay. Well, uh, let's start off with our our big dog, our mm-hmm. uh, our hero, mm-hmm. our main protagonist, Mister Buckaroo Banzai. Banzai. Banzai family name Buckaroo, named after his adoptive culture, mm-hmm. as we uh, learned in Buckaroo Banzai. Mm-hmm. Who do you have for your funny and your serious for Buckaroo Banzai? 
Well, my my funny is gonna is all the original cast, so like that would be Peter Weller. So I okay. don't, so I'm probably not gonna touch on that as as much. See, I was thinking about that, but I was like, you know, let's like just go full bore, like mm-hmm. a entirely new cast of characters that are yeah. playing characters that have aged to the point where the original cast could play them, but fuck them, we're gonna put in car- actors that are actually way worse a casting choice oh than God. the original actors is what yeah. I went with. So. That's totally fair. And I think that makes sense for like the the director you have and like the way that like yeah. you're building that. For Sly. Um, yeah, yeah. For, for Sylvester Stallone. Um, but for Wes Anderson, I thought that it made sense to have the original cast and have him being like, okay, so now we're going to take those roles and you all are going to get awkward. Yeah. Um, but for my serious cast, Buckaroo Banzai, we actually, um, you actually mentioned him already um, in connection with Ryan Ryan Johnson, um, because it's Joseph Gordon Levitt, um, because I think he's going to do a good job. Because Buckaroo is, while he's not serious, he is very stoic, and any of his like his deliveries, even if they're funny, they're very straightforward. Yeah. And I think that he'll do a really good job of that. And I like, honestly, I do like. There's a little bit of the similar like cheek structure and all that to young Peter Weller and Joseph Gordon Levitt. And I do genuinely think that he'll do a good job at that that mix of just being like, ah, oh, yes, and here I am in this role, and in this role, and in this role. Like that's the thing with JGL. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what his friends call him, by oh, the way. Right. Yeah, his his buddies. Since you're since you're uh, texting, um, I was his, I was Jeff Goldblum. I was and his Tom key Hanks. grip on Don John. Oh. So yeah, and by key grip, I mean I was the key grip to like all the masturbation scenes for him on Don Fisting John. Fisting and masturbation yeah. with, at the first character. <laughs> Nothing but the best. For Buckaroo Bonsai. For Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> I, if this gives you all any idea how much we like this film. <laughs> oh, yeah, deeply. Ah. <laughs> we we do genuinely. And yeah, that's it's true. These are all things of love. I also casted Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but not for the uh, not for the Buckaroo Bonsai role, uh-huh. actually. So okay. I will get to that when we get to the character. Okay. But for my character, for the funny, I wanted somebody that could chew fucking scenery real hard. Like real, like a lot, like the mm-hmm. scenery is not making it to the second shot. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be chewed so hard that they just have to do first take every time because the scenery is just this <laughs> pile of wet mess after this actor chews every square inch of it and does it in the best 1980s way humanly possible. Um, it's an actor that was like renowned for his 80s scenery chewing and still doing it today mm-hmm. uh, for Buckaroo Banzai for my funny okay, directed by Sylvester Stallone uh, as the I'm getting too old for the shit Buckaroo Banzai played by one Kurt Russell. I can't tell you how happy I am that you've just said those words to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai played by Kurt Russell. It is Kurt Russell. He is. A, 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 there's no words for mm-hmm. Kurt Russell. He is yeah. just Kurt Russell. He will forever be just Kurt Russell. He's starred in he some of my favorite things. films of all time. He's so, some people have said that he's not a great actor, but I think it's like, you don't understand what the roles he he's, what he's doing with his roles. Mm-hmm. He plays these characters, huge, massive. And that's part of the fun of it is that he just doesn't give a fuck and just goes for it. Hardcore. And that makes these big choices. And I love it. And so for Buckaroo Banzai being campy and a sliced alone joint, um, I think him being big actor and uh, and probably like older Buckaroo. So mm-hmm. he's just got no time for the bullshit anymore. I think that's a solid choice. Yeah. Um, I honestly like as far as like the over the top thing, I, I was talking about this with someone recently um, where especially because we were talking about like 
Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we started talking about Bruce Campbell and how Evil Dead came out around the same time and then RV of Darkness and how the two of them, the way that they play that over the top, like kind of rough, kind of douchey, but why am I into this? Like I'm in charge kind of guy. Yeah. Um, But it worked for them. And I, I, I feel like the world that you are crafting slowly with a, a Sly, Sly Stallone joint. I'm very excited. Yeah, for it's a... definitely reminiscent of the like 80s machismo, mm-hmm. but not quite as douchey. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a modernized take on the 80s mm-hmm. canon film kind of action yeah. ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Also, something I've always wanted to see that will never happen, unfortunately, is a fist fight between Kurt Russell and Rowdy Rowdy Piper, because those were the big machismo douchebags from the 1980s that you like rooted for them, even though they were kind of like, oh, oh, buddy, <laughs> a little bit much. Y'all can't see the face I made, but I got so excited that um, my whole face disappeared into my neck. <laughs> yeah, so. It was a sight to be seen for sure. Uh, for oh, my yeah. serious, for uh, Buckaroo Banzai, this is a James Gunn flick. Mm-hmm. I wanted somebody that had, yeah, again, similar kind of facial features. I also wanted to really consider the fact that this was a kid that was of uh, mixed backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I wanted uh, somebody that looked slightly less white than, say, Peter Weller, who just looks like he definitely <laughs> worked on a factory line in Detroit making cars. Like he, he just looked, got that blue collar white guy kind of look to him, yep. which nothing against it at all. But I wanted something that, that kind of at least referenced that like vaguely Asian in some way, shape or form. Um, mixed with like an American sensibility mm-hmm. and I could not think of anything other than uh, yeah, actor that could be stoic um, in some regards and when funny is almost accidentally so it could definitely be kind of cardboardy and big and, and weird and sometimes unintentionally uh, Buckaroo Banzai played in a James Gunn flick by Keanu Reeves I'm going to make that face a lot <laughs> God, you're gonna you're gonna hit me with a bunch of zings. I can. I can yeah, there's it. some zings in here. No, for sure. I, I I can see that. Um, I think that's a really solid choice. For... I also really want to see James Gunn direct Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I think that it would be a really fun combination. Absolutely, and I think that um, honestly, I think it it would also make it more fun taking him from being John Wick to this updated Buckaroo yeah. sequel directed by james gunn and what he would then have to do is for his character yeah um and i mean i doesn't keanu reeves now genuinely have half of the skills on buckaroo's list from having to train for that's these films? Also, that was part of my considerations <laughs> he owns a motorcycle company and is like a really well-established motorcycle rider where you can like stand on the seat like stand up on mm-hmm. the seat while riding uh he's a absurdly good gunsmith he can he can shoot incredibly well. He's acrobatic as fuck. He he's learned a lot of skills in his mm-hmm. time as an actor. So, uh, and he's also he was in a band called Dog Star in the '90s. He's a <laughs> established bassist in rock bands. So he's done. I mean, I don't think he's done surgery, or at least not that's been advertised in <laughs> in the news. Uh, he might have owned owed a mafia boss some like <laughs> some shit back in the day or something. But or he just like neoed it and he just like was able to reach through somebody's body to pull out a bullet because he is actually Neo from the Matrix and <laughs> we just haven't realized that that's based on a true story. Oh my god. But yeah, this the actor version of Buckaroo Banzai is pretty much Keanu Reeves. So. Yeah, no that's okay. Yeah. I hadn't 
thought about that until you said it. Now I'm just, I'm kind of understanding why, like, as you were writing this down, you were doing, like, little kicks and punches in the air. Oh, yeah, I was doing, like, these moments of clarity around, yes, that's correct! (laughs) (laughs) But wordless and just with hands. Yes, a lot of hand movements. fingers. For somebody that has a podcast network, I do talk with my hands a lot. (laughs) Which is why you should come to the live shows. You can actually see all the big operatic and, and large swooping hand motions that I make when recording an episode. Booze Clues. Episode 2 is recording on May 5th. That's right. Cinco de Mayo. You can come out and enjoy some drunken, debaucherous headlines with Booze Clues. Same place, the dark room, 2818 West Broad Street, Suite B. It's an upstairs room, and we're going to have signs with arrows pointing you right into the room. Doors are at 6, show starts at 7, and it's free. So if you're 21 or up, come out May 5th from 6 to 8 o'clock to check out Booze Clues Live. Also coming up on the Geeks Under the Influence Network at the end of May, May 31st through June 2nd, GalaxyCon! You've probably been seeing posts on social media about GalaxyCon, the newest convention to come to Richmond, Virginia, and they have a stacked deck of celebrities. In addition to all these amazing celebrities that you can come and meet, get autographs, get pictures with, you can also come out and check out four shows from the Geeks Under the Influence Network. We've got the Geeks Under the Influence podcast, Smack My Pitch Up, Beautiful Disasters, and Geek Father, all doing live shows at GalaxyCon from May 31st to June 2nd. As the schedule comes out, we'll let you know what times and what rooms these shows are going to be taking place in. And come out, you can see some of the podcasts on our network do their thing live. So if you've enjoyed Booze Clues, if you came out to our first show, or you plan on coming out to our second show, or some in the future, this is a chance to check out other shows on the network doing their thing live. I'll be hosting Smack My Pitch Up and Geeks Under the Influence, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a good time. I'll also be paneling a Adventures in Podcasting panel all about starting your own podcast. So if you're interested in doing this thing, then come out and get some pointers from people that are already doing it. It's going to be a great time, May 31st through June 2nd. Check your calendar and check out GUIPodcast.com for more information on Booze Clues events, GalaxyCon, and much more from Geeks Under the Influence. This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout. So we're, let's look at, do you have a Penny? I do have Penny Pretty. Okay, who do you have for Penny? So, uh, I mean, the Wes Anderson one, you know, I, I want to keep it as that cast with Alan Barkin. So, I, like, we're going to sure. we're gonna glaze over a lot of those for mine. Okay. Um, just because, like I said, I really think that it would be fun to watch them all interact now. So you just now. consider, like, Alan Barkin as, like, an older Penny mm-hmm. uh doing her thing but with a very Wes Anderson kind of tone to it. So. Right, like, and there's there's probably some like some despondency because like they're not going on adventures. So they're all looking for stimulation elsewhere. So there's, there's going to be more interpersonal drama as well as like, and where like some of the sci-fi is almost on the wayside where like, this is the most casual sci-fi we can get where it's just like, Oh yeah, by the way, tech is advanced by like a hundred years. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) 
However, let's talk about our relationship. <laughs> now, I always kind of considered, and there was one specific line that mm-hmm. made me consider that maybe the 1980s environment that Buck- Buckaroo existed in in the first place mm-hmm. was a little bit dystopian and futuristic. Mm-hmm. Because with the 80s were dystopian and futuristic. With uh, Lizardo <laughs> when he's up in the loony bin and they talk about like, what was it like? Uh, was it lithium is no longer able to be taken on credit mm-hmm. or something? Lithium it's, is no longer available on credit. Yeah, that it comes off as this weird, like this weird, I don't know, shadow run version of a uh, of a asylum where it's like uh, you like sorry you can't start a tab for your uh, for your medications. Right, and it's also like he they they refer to him as a homicidal maniac. But they also seem to have a homicidal maniac who is presumably certifiably insane locked up in a very minimum security place. Like he's building electronics in his like mm-hmm. dorm room, basically, yeah. that he has there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but my, my cast for Penny Pretty for the Ryan Johnson, Oliver Thomas flick is a, a, a little bit a little bit different because um, I, I wanted someone that could be since... Like this is this is a sequel. Everything is updated. Um, she's gotten time. She's a badass. She's come into her own as a person where she like she's gone from being like down on her luck, down to her last nickel, trying to hawk her luggage, to being able to run right alongside Buckaroo because like she does not like being left out. Like when they went to the clubhouse and she wasn't allowed to go, she was like, "Well, why not me? Like I'm not gonna t- like I'm not gonna tell the Electroids what they want. I'm not gonna do these things. Y'all can kill me. I don't care." Um, and she 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 flat out like, I mean, obviously she didn't want to be drowned in creepy puddle water, which sure. I I sympathize with because I don't want to be drowned in creepy puddle I mean, water. And that's actually kind of a fetish of mine. But like I understand people yeah, that aren't no, into I've... being drowned in dirty puddle puddle water. But you yeah. know that's all that comes back to consent, and they clearly didn't have her consent, so. You it's know. hard to yell, I don't consent when it's just bubbles coming out of dirty puddle water. You should have asked first. I mean, <laughs> don't assume. I brought assuming. a straw for a reason. No. You did. She didn't. Okay. They didn't fair. offer her a That's straw. Fair. And then there were spiders and other things. So all in all, very rude. I call it my um, disposable snorkel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Except mine's made out of paper because I'm environmentally conscious. You are. You're also going to drown. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to drown. terrible. Because who knows what else is in that danger puddle. <laughs> um, danger puddle is also... <laughs> that is the name of my puddle of mud cover band. God. Yeah. Uh, if you start a puddle of mud cover band, I'm going to assume that you have an evil doppelganger and I'm going to have to put you down. And the pretties hit the floor. And the, the That's the different the band. Penny pretty. Yeah, no, I got that. But you definitely went to drowning pool. Uh, okay, whatever. It's a drowning pool puddle of mud. It, it's... Uh, I, you can't What's understand why we get the here? names wrong. Like it's <laughs> it's a puddle of mud, and it's a pool that you drown in. It's basically <laughs> the same thing. It's two things that that Penny Pretty could die in. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! No, 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 no! I'm I'm I, I get it. And they both sing through their nose. So yeah, you know, right. there we are. Except um, one is mad about his girlfriend fucking hating him, and the other one is like literally dead. So, um, yeah, that's. That was rough. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, but that's okay. Okay, so Penny Pretty. <laughs> um, Penny Pretty. So my pick for Penny Pretty for the Ryan Johnson Oliver Thomas film is uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, um, okay. Because I mean, she, she's gorgeous. She's badass. She's intelligent. Um, she's going to carry that role like 
I I want it to be evident that Penny Pretty is a force to be reckoned with okay. in this. Um, because like, you know, it's always a trope. You know, the like she's tough, but she still needs to be rescued. Um, at this point, Penny Pretty is like, oh, okay, so you've kidnapped me. That's cute. I'm the diversion. Enjoy. Now I'm gonna fuck up all your subordinates. So it's almost like the beginning of Avengers, where Scarlett Johansson's like tied up in a chair, being like, "I'm working." A little uh, bit. A little bit of that. A little bit, but less sassy. Just her being very calm and just kind of being bored with everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she doesn't really play into it. She's gotten that same kind of like, um, that that austere demeanor that that Buckaroo has. Okay. Um, because like. In in my my vision, like they meditate together and they really like have built a strong relationship where like I don't know that I have them necessarily like married and continuing the romantic relationship that they started at the end of the film, but I think that they built a very strong like emotional and um like mental connection and kind of went on like that where she I kind of like that better honestly where yeah. you don't make it where she's the girlfriend anymore as they maybe had a thing and there's that weird tension of being mm-hmm. exes with each other but they he genuinely recognizes her as being a talented person that is right. definitely worth her medal in as part of the group and she holds her own and so they have that kind of like fun banter back and forth of like well you never you never blah 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 when we were dating well well you never asked or that kind of right. shit like, back and forth I really want her to have the callback line where like Something happens to Buckaroo and they put him on the phone and she's like, Buckaroo, get off the phone. <laughs> like oh, he's, nice. He's, he's like, I'm not going to. And she's just like, Buckaroo, get off the phone. <laughs> Give her a little bit more take charge. Right. Like, Which is something that I was really looking at with mine as well is that for the sequel, I wanted it to be less a uh, Buckaroo Bonsai show, although he's definitely the figurehead of this group. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be way more of what I've appreciated in a lot of modern films where it's way more of a... Uh, of a group piece where mm-hmm. there's a number of people. You know, I mean, that's what made the Avengers such a powerful right. run. You know, that's why Joss Whedon uh, became so prevalent is that he was able to write a lot of like group dynamic stuff incredibly well. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have that kind of feel as well. So her, just her coming into her, her own. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't like Buckaroo is obviously like Buckaroo. Like when we were looking stuff up, we found that Buckaroo is actually like recognized by Marvel as part of the, it was the International Justice League or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Justice League International, I think, is what it was. Justice something. League International, I think, yeah. yeah. which I I never knew, and it's kind of cool. So Buckaroo is basically a recognized superhero. Yeah. And I, I, I would like the rest of them to get more to that level rather than being like, Buckaroo Banzai and his sidekicks, which Hong is, Kong Cavaliers. It is funny because I was watching a lot of the bonus features on the, uh, I have the uh, special uh, collector's edition came out. Uh, a couple years ago mm-hmm. on on Blu-ray, which by the way, I'll throw a link up on our notes for this episode so you can check it out. But it's got a lot of uh, uh, previously unreleased bonus feature stuff where they interviewed the cast and stuff mm-hmm. from when they did the movie too. So it's mm-hmm. not like modern interviews, yeah. but it's mentioned a lot that Buckaroo Banzai is not a superhero. He's a guy that just does a lot of stuff. And then in the comics, he's literally like yeah. a superhero. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very different directions. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. But comics, that's the way it tends to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's rapid fire some of the the side characters here because okay. we're we're running a little long in the tooth. This is this what point. I do. <laughs> oh no, trust um, me, I understand. So I mean, like my West Anderson one, like you can kind of you see where I'm going with that. Sure. So I think that we can kind of like gloss over that because like I was really entertained by the idea and I wanted to pitch that like as just a bug to live in people's brains of like all of this. And also, Goldblum, Wes Anderson. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it would be beautiful. I think that would um, be. 
quite delightful. So um, I'm going to give you my New Jersey perfect to- and, per- and perfect Tommy picks back to back because I think that they'll go pretty well together. So um, <clears throat> I've got, uh, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me a little bit. So I've got Zachary Levi for New Jersey and Jared Kiso for perfect Tommy. Okay. I'm not going to laugh at you. That's actually, I'd never even thought about Zachary Levi. That's a pretty good... I think that he would carry like that slight zaniness well. And I think that he will play, he would play a New Jersey coming into like being more comfortably part of the Buckaroo Bonsai team um, a little bit more, you know, that's the, that's the Jeff Goldblum role where like, yeah, he was thrown into it and you know, he swam, he didn't sink. He did, he did. He was right there alongside him every step of the way, running through the hallways, you know, helping Buckaroo, all of those things. Um, And I think Zachary Levi, um, would do a good job of uh he he would always look like he's on the verge of saying something funny the sure. same way that Jeff Goldblum did but was uh, would always deliver those lines that you would expect to be a joke with the utmost seriousness yeah like just where you're like you're still laughing but you're like he's not kidding and that somehow makes this funnier oh god um and i think that that would work really well and um Jared Kiso i think you're familiar with that name um, oh yes, he, I'm very familiar with yeah, Jared Kiso. because uh, um, he's Wayne and yeah, Letterkenny. Letter yeah, yeah, and I think that he'd be a really great perfect Tommy and his like a little bit more expression, but um, just very like straightforward and kind of. I'm just thinking like, of the line where it's like, "Well, you're perfect," and he's like, "Yeah, I guess so." Yeah, fair it, enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gives her his jacket. Yeah, yeah. I just not fair enough. Just feels like the right place for him. Like. I, I it, in my brain I just swapped the actors and was like, yeah, no, that that's good. I just good. really want a scene where, where he goes to Lazard and goes, "I wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud." That <laughs> <laughs> would be the I, best I, ever. What? Yeah, no, I will kick in more money for <laughs> yeah, this right. imaginary script. Let's kickstart this movie just to have that <laughs> yeah. moment. She weren't so fucking awkward. <laughs> <laughs> or turns to Buckaroo and says, "Pitter patter," and yeah, gets right. up. <laughs> Yes, yes, I need this to happen. Buckaroo Bonsai across the Letterkenny dimension. <laughs> a Christmas special. Bonsai in Canada. <laughs> well, that's a mashup I wasn't expecting, but oh I'll take gosh. it. Actually, they did do a, a Christmas comic that was called A Christmas Corral that I think would be a perfect Letterkenny mashup. Oh, there we mashup. go. There yeah. we go. Um, so I just, uh, I, I just needed to share that. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, so- I've got a New Jersey and a perfect Tommy. I also, okay. I also have a rawhide, which uh, okay, yeah. Um, I I had to because I love Clancy Brown to death, and I loved uh, him. I just uh, I couldn't bring myself to recast it. I I had to play with it a little bit. Totally so fair. Totally fair. You're my New Jersey person. for uh, the Stallone is I wanted like an older actor. These are all actors that are uh, whereabouts of their sixties, you know. So I wanted to have the kind of Expendables ton of, kind of tone to it. So New Jersey, I wanted somebody that could be uh, a little bit aloof, but on the same end could get like. Get mm-hmm. down and dirty when need be, and somebody that can really have fun with that kind of exacerbated kind of tone that I really think like an older kind of still annoyed that he's still kind of seen as the new guy, even though it's been like 35 fucking years at this point, yeah. uh, would be for New Jersey, Michael Keaton in the Sylvester Stallone oh, role. Oh, gosh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, he would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I just really want to see Michael Keaton in a giant cowboy hat. You I, know... That's that's fair. Apart from being Beetlejuice in the the cowboy, yeah, yeah, no, like so. full on, just like his mm-hmm. actual face. No, that's fair. And the New Jersey and the James Gunn flick. I wanted somebody that again, 
uh, I wanted to go kind of that Indiana Jones accidentally good at stuff kind of deal with with the actiony sequences and stuff where it's mm-hmm. like clearly he's he's a doctor he's not an action hero but somehow it just seems to kind of right place right time kind of figures it out and ends up being successful at what he does awkward and a little bit almost starstruck with the Keanu Reeves as Buckaroo Banzai mm-hmm. still kind of a fanboy for it yeah. and I think that's my role for JGL. Okay. For Joseph Gordon-Levitt is New Jersey. I okay. think he would have a lot of fun with that role. I want to see it. For Perfect Tommy, I couldn't think any, just like the uh, Perfect is giant action hero, uh, wooden as hell. Uh, a lot of, would be a lot of fun to see as Perfect Tommy. Uh, for the Sylvester Stallone, we got Dolph Lundgren oh, I knew as Perfect Tommy. That. Yes. <laughs> Gigantic Dolph Lundgren. Oh my God. Yes. And uh, for the serious for my James Gunn. I wanted somebody that's a little bit of a pretty boy uh, t- takes himself a little bit too seriously. And that's kind of the running joke with a lot of the roles that he plays uh, army hammer. So, yeah. So I, I wanted to pretty boy it a little bit, which uh, not that perfect time. He was actually ac- exactly a pretty boy, not a bad looking dude, but I mean, he was, I think, well, I think so putting ourselves in that eighties mindset, I think he was definitely a pretty boy for the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like yeah. very different uh, look. Yeah. Yeah, a little 80s. bit, a little bit, but uglier men were seen as a lot more attractive. That's just why I need to invent time travel. <laughs> um, for Rawhide, which is my uh, Clancy Brown role, mm-hmm. I thought I wanted somebody a little bit more grizzled. I don't know atmosphere about them, mm-hmm. and one that uh, I I don't know if Sly could get him back in a role because uh, apparently they don't get along too well. Granted, a lot of people don't get along with him, but it would be fun what? for Rawhide. Uh, Bruce Willis as Rawhide. I can see it, but whew. Yeah, that'd be a lot. That'd be a lot. Um, for my serious, for James Gunn, I went a little bit off the reservation on this one. Okay. I um, I think it's an actor that could do it very well, but just not as well known, although he's played a couple roles that are relatively well known. Boyd Holbrook. He was the main action dude in The Predator, the oh, newest Predator movie, okay. and he was also the guy with the metal hand in Logan. Okay. He was like the main villain character that was chasing after Logan through all the stuff. Okay. Uh, he had kind of a southern accent in Logan. He's got very much a kind of intimidating presence about him. And uh, yeah. not quite as deep a voice as Clancy Brown, but that's like literally 90% of everyone doesn't have that voice. So yeah, I think that's fair. Boyd Holbrook would be a good choice for that. And uh, we're down to, for me, I've got two villain characters that okay. I'm... Uh, I've got... Um, I'll give you one more that I can just glaze over very quickly because okay. I do want him in there for my Ryan Johnson, Oliver Thomas. And then I've got the, my two villains okay. as well. Um, so I do have a, prof- I do have professor Hikita coming back. Oh, okay. Um, in this one. And I have him played by Dante Bosco. Dante Bosco. Zuko. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 No, I think that he would, he would do a good job of being professor Hikita and being, uh, being able to be like, a little bit of serious and a little bit of goofy like uh and i think that it would work out well because dante bosco being the age he is now would be able to easily be put in makeup to appear a little bit older but also if we do any flashback sequences to give backstory sure. as to why like you know now we're dealing with hanoi shan and all that he can go back and still make sense in that position okay um because I like the 80s motif of using the same actor and being like, you'll never realize that they're not actually older or younger. And, you know, just pretending that it's like totally mysterious. Yeah. And I think I also think that he would just have fun in that role. Sure. Um, and I think that's part of the most important part of mm-hmm. the casting here is that these are 
actors that you think would have a lot of fun mm-hmm. playing in that sandbox, having yes. a lot of fun with that role, because 100%. this is a fun movie. Oh God, yeah. And if if honestly, if it's not fun, it's not Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, agreed. in my in my opinion. Um. So uh, and then so now I'm just gonna jump into my first villain because my my second villain, um, I'm gonna say that casting last because that comes in with my personal um curveball and mashup that okay. i'm gonna throw at okay. you um so my first villain um is uh, of course the classic dr emilio lizardo um who was possessed by the evil john warfin um the dictator of the le- red electroids um and you know he his ship is destroyed but it's never and they they declare him destroyed but in my vision of this he survives and with this advanced tech is a little bit more robotic and a little okay. bit more awkward. I like that. But in this process, because he's becoming more robotic, um, there also that also allows for some wiggle room of do they try to separate the mind of John Warfin and the mind of Emilio Lizardo? Do they try to bring back their friend? Oh, um, because, okay. I like that subplot. Uh, yeah, because solid. I think that that would be really exciting and drama and someone who I think would do a stand-up job. Um, not that anyone could ever replace John Lithgow in True. my heart or yeah. in this film. Um, John Lithgow, I love you if you're listening ever. Um, <laughs> Again, avid listener. <laughs> avid like. Let me believe in you, okay? Let me believe in all yeah, y'all. He, he and Goldblum hang out and listen to episodes might, of uh, Smack Goldblum My Pitch Jeff Goldblum comes up. to Richmond, and I'm like, who the fuck comes to Richmond? Then I'm like, all oh, right, we're a hub. Um, anyways, but the person that I think would still do a really stand-up job has ha- has incredible vocal range, um, a little bit similar in facial structure. Um, we've seen him play a wide variety of roles from very doting, from very scholarly to being somewhat devious and a little bit evil um, is Anthony Stewart head. Ooh. Ooh, um, nice. And I think, and it allows him to get a little more buck wild than he's, uh-huh. I mean, he's gotten a little bit with repo, the genetic opera. He yes. was able to get a little wild, but even then was, he was trying to rein it in at is as the character. So, right. And, and, and with repo, he was also like going for a specific, like feeling with that character. Like he wasn't as wild. He was, he was succumbing to the joy he felt doing these repossessions and with this it is madness it is it is two brains arguing over the body of one man where one brain one mind has invaded the other and i think that that would give him a lot of room to play um whether he is going to um completely rebuke the character of emilio lazardo and emilio lazardo is lost to time in the eighth dimension yeah or if we're going to have some back and forth play and maybe there's triumph or maybe we just trapped with John Warfin. Um, so, uh, I, I think that he would do a really great job. And also like just seeing, um, Lupita and Joseph facing down, um, Anthony with the other person I've got. Okay. um, I think would be a lot of fun because having him turn out to be yet another, cog in the the wheel of the a world crime league i think would be really important especially from where he would have to go from there like if yo-yo dine fails yo-yo dine could have very well been another piece of the world crime syndicate they just obviously had their own like they didn't care who gave them money because they were going home sure um so i think that um he if he survives that crash he is now going to have to answer 
to the World Crime Syndicate. Yeah, because uh, Lazardo at the very end of uh, Buckaroo Banzai mm-hmm. in the eighth, across the d- eighth dimension uh, was in the ship that exploded, mm-hmm. or so we have come to know. Right. But I think you and I separately decided that no, no, he there was another parachute we didn't see or something. Right. You know, like he he escaped. Right. There's there's some part of him that escaped. Like if we can have two minds trapped in in one body, where somehow they were like by going into the eighth dimension, they were able to invade his brain that thoroughly there's something there. And that's why I think that he's probably like been rebuilt with a little bit of tech and there's been some other helpers okay. there. Cause if he was part of the world crime, world crime league before then he can call on them and be like, all right, I understand that. Here's my debt. I'm back to pay my debts and just nice. help me with this. <clears throat> all right. I dig it. My, my Lazardo, I did not put nearly as much thought into. <laughs> uh, so uh, though it's, I like it. Uh, for Lazardo, of course, the older actor to play Lazardo. This is uh, going to be an older actor that can just get fucking buck wild. And I wanted to kind of do what I've joked about Jeff Goldblum doing on the set of R- Thor Ragnarok, where I've joked that they didn't even give him a script. They just went, I don't know, you just do you <laughs> and we'll film it and we'll work it into the script. And I'm pretty sure that's how it happened uh, with Taika Waititi. I wanted kind of that tone of just an actor that's just going to do whatever the hell they want to. And you make it work. Mm-hmm. So for Lazardo on the Sylvester Stallone, somebody that had done a lot of 80s action films that is now buck fucking wild. Uh, Gary Busey. Oh, I knew you were going to yes. say that name. Gary fucking Busey <laughs> yes. as Lazardo. Just, I mean, oh his hair God. is already set for it. I mean, his hair is normally fucking crazy anyway. Oh, man. And uh, following that same train of thought for my serious for James Gunn, I thought, who could do like Gary Busey, but like maybe like 30 years younger. And I went, there's only one actor I can think of that can properly do the Buckwild Gary Busey. And that would be none other than uh, his horse face uh, child, Jake Busey. <laughs> as, uh, as the James Gunn uh, Lazardo. So I, I think they, they both know it. I mean, if you saw Jake Busey as the main killer in The Frighteners, he can get big. He can go huge on his roles. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows how to choose scenery about as good as his dad does, although not quite as crazy as his dad. <laughs> thankfully, I'm <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> yeah, thank for for the sake of humanity. I think if the two of them joined forces and they're both equally crazy, uh, they would just take over, and it would be just Earth would now be Buseyland. Oh, you know who else would look really good as Lizardo? That like an older Lizardo, hmm. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, I also thought Walken would have a lot of fun mm-hmm. with the role as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think all all of them. Those facial expressions yeah, are the what? the big facial expressions, yeah. <gasps> the crazy eyes and the teeth. The teeth are part of what kill me well, about I think, Lazardo. Actually, actually, I think Dafoe probably better than Walken because Walken is almost muted with his crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows how to kind of push it out without actually doing much, mm-hmm. which is part of his brilliance. Right. But Lazardo's not a small acting character. This no. is big motion. So yeah, Defoe I think is a better choice. Lazardo emotes more than some drag queens I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good lord. All right, so the uh, the big one that we've been holding up on. Um, do you want to go first or second? Or it depends. Um, because when I when I tell you my casting, I'm gonna tell you my curveball, which I'm wondering if you've already guessed. Um, but. I don't, I'm actually starting to think maybe we might have the same actor for this. I'm really excited. Okay, so, uh, well, then I'm just going to, I'll just go ahead and say it. Okay. And we'll go from there. Um, and then we can bounce back and forth yeah, if yeah. it turns out to be the same okay. person. 
Um. <laughs> oh, it probably is. Fuck. Like okay. I couldn't. I when I thought about this character, there was only one actor that came to mind. Okay. So. So I have Hanoi Shan. Okay. And James Hong. James Hong for both. Yes. My funny and serious on my paper right okay. there. Yes. Yeah. No, we're high fiving. Yeah. You can't see it, but I needed you all to. Know. I needed like the the old like yes. mastermind of the of the league kind of thing, and James Hong is he, like clearly. Is, if you weren't, if you don't know who oh James Hong is, just think of who would be good casting, and that's literally the actor that the we chose. face that's coming to mind. I guarantee is James Hong. Yeah, and and so if you haven't seen Big Trouble in Little China and know James Hong is Lopan, um, if you like, he's also in Tank Girl as the Mad Doctor that helps mm-hmm. Kessley. He's he's in Wayne's World too as uh her father Jeff. Um, he's in just. A ton. His, He's in his the film Starsky credits. and Hutch remake. Yeah, his film credits stretch decades. A- any movie where they need an old Asian man, he is that old Asian man. He, I mean, but he, he's so good. He's such a good actor. Amazing comedic um, timing. He's also able to play it yep. serious too. I mean, yep. he does. He has runs the gamut. That's why he has such a mm-hmm. just a massive career. Absolutely fantastic actor. Uh, and I'm really excited that we both picked him. So now you also know. That the um that my tie-in world is going yep. to be big, big trouble, trouble in little China. China. Yeah, that makes and complete the sense. The extra tie-in for that is that W. D. Richter, who directed Buckaroo Banzai, co-wrote Big Trouble in Little China, oh, which shit. makes it even more sense that these worlds would overlap. Yeah, and um and because I love the the like that that super random chance of Penny Pretty happening to look like his ex his ex now deceased wife. Peggy, I think that it would be super crazy and 100% within Buckaroo's style to have James Hong playing Hanoi Shan, who happened to be a twin of Lopin. Ooh, so nice. he looks like okay. that. So like, and it's going to be that double take moment, but it's a, compl- it's a different person, but you're coming back with the, like, Hanoi Shan is supposed to be someone that rivals Buckaroo on every single level. And why the fuck wouldn't he be magic? Why the fuck wouldn't someone who is tied to someone as powerful as Lopan also be in charge of something called the World Crime League? That's something that's so 80s. The uh, the choice and, of uh, Hanoi Chan for James mm-hmm. Hong was a kind of a no-brainer, and mm-hmm. I came up with that pretty early. actually informed my decision for the Stallone mm-hmm. uh, Buckaroo Banzai, because as far as me being a fanboy, what would I love more than another team up of James Hong versus Kurt Russell via big trouble in little China, Mm -hmm. but in another, in like a sequel to another eighties classic that I'm obsessed with. So, I mean, it was like, this is magic. If this happened the way that I have it done, um, even for my funny, Mm -hmm. the fanboys would come out in droves a to criticize it. Like, incessantly yeah but also just celebrate it's like ah, oh, we do get to see james hong and kurt russell t- squaring off so right that's that's pretty great something we need that's for pretty our good hearts. <laughs> so uh we do have to hit a couple of uh suggestions for mashups mm-hmm. that we had um the first one i think was uh babadook yes uh the babadook with uh well now the playing with extra dimensional creatures I think is are in there for the Babadook that if mm-hmm. you were to take the Babadook and just look at it as a, as opposed to like some evil spirit or ghost creature, mm-hmm. some demon that you look at it from uh, the perspective of it being an extra dimensional creature that is uh, coming out of one of the other dimensions um, that like my main serious version, I talked mm-hmm. about different dimensions. So the Babadook is just like the, uh, I don't know, 
a really creepy Australian horror version of uh, of the eighth dimension. <laughs> so that's like the uh, the eleventh dimension, tenth or eleventh dimension. That's like yeah, nobody goes there. It's really fucked up. Everyone wears top hats and they smile too much. It's like I I like that idea, like having it be like. They look like, like a bunch of demonic chimney sweeps. That, it's just bad news bears. Well, I think that like having it be something like that extra, like that this is an extra dimensional being almost harkens back to like Lovecraftian ideas where yeah. our brains are, are like, oh, fuck, I don't know what this is. Clearly, this is a ghost. Ah, at last, sweet reason. Um, and then we're content because otherwise, you know, to dive deeper into it, we go mad. Yeah. Um, so it makes perfect sense that Buckaroo and his team were like, yeah, no, totally. We're going to go into this dimension and figure this out. So <laughs> you just see Joseph Gordon-Levitt as uh, New Jersey being like, we're not going back to the 10th dimension. It's too <laughs> fucked up. It, it, it's weird Al Jolson looking mime clowns and top hats that are just like really fucking freaky. I don't want to I don't want to do it. There's one that won't stop twerking. I don't know what's <laughs> happening here. The the Baba twerk. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The twerk a duke. The twerk a duke sounds like a weird choice for pooping. <laughs> so you just, you like, brought this up. Basically us. throw it at your toilet. Yeah throw it with your butt no yeah. don't try no. this at home you know, you know what if you try it at home that's on you if you try this in public i will i will come for you and your children well no then you'll end up as one of the articles in uh in booze clues so. that's right yeah. you will not be that will not be a sober choice <laughs> so uh what was the other choice besides uh babadook uh, uh it was atomic Torkaduke? blonde atomic blonde yeah atomic oh, blonde was our other suggestion that we got. um i like the stylization of atomic blonde and if we kind of pulled that into um i mean you could even have a version of buckaroo bonsai but that's happening in russia because that was mm-hmm. a big conversation in the original mm-hmm. uh, buckaroo bonsai what russia's doing and just have some like agents maybe members of buckaroo bonsai coming in and kind of like doing some stuff around the elements of atomic blonde trying to steal plans and stuff um bring like really play up that cold war element yeah yeah it really yeah. pushed it a little bit further because that was just a minor kind of backdrop conversation in buckaroo bonsai for the most part which is weird because that was like the whole hinge for like it needing to be done that night was like they were going to essentially like jumpstart from the cold war to the nuclear war to cause you know global yeah, i like the conversation like oh yeah there's this whole cold war thing they won't take too kindly to that so i guess we should probably like play ball i guess pretty much yeah all right i guess that's a thing yeah well they so. all went oh dang russia that's right all right on with the show <laughs> so you've got like maybe uh maybe perfect tommy selling blue jeans uh, and being a spy <laughs> that like cooks up with atomic blonde and gosh that oh and like kills her girlfriend and yeah it's like a whole thing and these are perfect tommy strange. i thought you were better than that yeah well i mean is it perfect tommy or is it part of the world crime league coming that's back true in? oh it could be because yeah. they're for the world perfect tommy was working for world crime league the whole time oh no what? perfect tommy they where already are you? got betrayed they apparently got betrayed by one of their other um hong kong cavaliers and one of the other uh in one of the comics so. oh really yeah i, I no. have to it's I think it was Pico. I have to. I have to double check. Pico, but, no. Yeah, one of the one of the characters that um, when uh, New Jersey first shows up and is just like, yeah, I know you. You're you're Pico, and he's like, I'm perfect, Tommy. And then he walks away. Oh right, right, um, right. And they they mention Brit like they gloss over the character being in Tibet. The character is apparently in Tibet, like betraying Buckaroo. <laughs> well, fuck <laughs> like that guy. And uh, just like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of other like extra stuff, but. I think it would play in perfectly, actually. All right, well, speaking of extra, we're about to be real extra with our trailers, so uh, let me get uh, music queued up. 
It's been five years since the Red Electroids tried to take over the Earth, and ever since Buckaroo Banzai and his ragtag team of heroes have done nothing but work their asses off to try to protect the planet Earth from its foes across the dimensions. This summer, Buckaroo Banzai is back. Except it's not been five years, I've got to assume the Sloan one. It's been 35 years since, since all this stuff happened, and they're all old. And Bucker Banzai's got to get the team back together to fight the Electroid that are back again uh, to team up with the World Crime League in order to steal the technology that made him famous in the first place, the jet drive, or the, the what's the what's it called? The, the overthruster? The overthruster. Oh, they're doing that. They're going to steal it uh, because it, it's going to mess up the oil industry and uh, they cannot handle that. Kurt Russell is Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, Penny Pretty, played by Meryl Streep. I forgot to mention that. Uh, yeah, Meryl Streep is Penny Pretty. Uh, New Jersey is played by Michael Keaton. Bruce Willis as Rawhide. Perfect Tommy is Dolph Lundgren. Crazy Gary Busey is Lizardo and Hanoi Chan featuring James Hong this summer. Sylvester Stallone directs Buckaroo Banzai across the World Crime League. The League of Crime. There's crime. This summer. And that's why they pay me the big bucks right there. That's uh, that was a masterpiece. That's why I'm gonna have a future in radio. I'll tell you. I'm thinking on my feet. That's that's how I do it around here. So, well, I already forgot what my music sounds like. And you know what? You know what? Like it's fine because there's no way you're gonna be able to beat that. What I was able to just drop. no. That's that's probably true because I'm just gonna be like, um, I like Buckaroo Bonsai and we made a movie. It's pretty great. We should watch come, it. Come uh, see it in December. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that's my whole. Advertisement, just slow that down just so it's back over. I'll, I'll do Come what I can. See it in December. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay. You haven't seen him since 1984. Buckaroo Banzai is back, finally, to battle the World Crime League. Starring James Hong as Hanoi Shen, Buckaroo's legendary adversary, coming face to face with the man who killed his parents and wife, apparently. I forgot about that part. <laughs> uh, reuniting with the Hong Kong Cavaliers after about 10 years. Perfect Tommy, New Jersey. Professor Hikita, back on the case once again. Somehow tried to defeat Hanoi Shan. There's magic. I forgot about that part. There's <laughs> magic. Here's magic. You can't forget the magic. You can't forget the magic. Uh, uh, watch Buckaroo battle Hanoi Shen and the, the robotic Emilio Lizardo surviving his crash from 1984. Crash. It was an explosion, not a crash. Anyways, you know what? Come see it at Christmas. It's going to be a blast. A uh, blast because explosion. Right. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League. <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> we. Oh, that's. I felt like I started off really strong, and then was like, I brain plot. Honestly, like also. 
also also Lopin. There's been times <laughs> where I've nailed the trailer, like once, maybe twice tops. Uh, but there's I've also had guests that have nailed the trailer, and it's fun. It's de- mm-hmm. definitely a lot of fun, but the more fun is where it's like, ah, shit. There are things uh, happening. <laughs> okay, well, that's a choice. They crashed. Um, no, wait, it was an explosion. That was, uh, that was we both uh, train wrecked pretty hard on that. I'm pretty excited about it. We did exactly what Lizardo did, where we, we propelled ourselves face first into a wall. And yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode <laughs> of Smack My Pitch Up. If you are uh, producers out there in Hollyweird and uh, are looking to steal our ideas, absolutely. Ultimately, part of the reason we talk about this <laughs> is we love these properties and just want to see more of it. So mm-hmm. you come up with the ideas. Maybe not the sliced alone version. <laughs> I think that might not be the uh, best choice. But Okay, no. but I, I would still be okay with watching Kurt Russell and James Hong go ahead. Oh, no, no, that's fair. That's, that is absolutely fair. Uh, bigger trouble in Little China, the sequel. Trouble. That's <laughs> Buckaroo Bonsai versus Little Little China yeah, right. <laughs> against the World Crime League in Little China. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, definitely check out our live show that we're going to be doing at Galaxy Con May thirty first through June second at the Richmond Convention Center in uh, well, guess what, Richmond, Virginia. But also what? same weekend is the uh, the show at Gallery Five that we were talking about. It's right nearby Guar Bar. It's right nearby a bunch of restaurants, actually, mm-hmm. right around that area. So yep. come down to Richmond. If you're not from the area, come down to Richmond, check out the con, check out some burlesque, check out some variety stuff, some food. It's a great town to hang out in and uh, enjoy some GUI shows at the convention. Also, check out Booze Clues, uh, which will be a few days after this releases, May 5th at the Dark Room in Richmond, Virginia. It's at the uh, the famous Hofheimer building. Mm-hmm. Down, down in uh the Shaco or no the Scott's edition. Yes, I guess it's Scott's edition. Technically Scott's edition. Yeah. So come check that out. Uh, look up Booze Clues for more information. Look up Smack My Pitch Up. If you look up Pitch Smacked on uh, on social media, you'll mm-hmm. be able to find us on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Go to guipodcast.com. We are on our own feed now, so we're no longer on the Geeks Under the Influence feed for this podcast. If uh, you are having trouble finding us, just go to your podcatcher app. We're on all the stuff now. So we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, all of them. So just look up Smack My Pitch Up and you should be able to find us or just go to RSS uh, through the link on the front page at uipodcast.com. And we'll see you here next time for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. As always, I'm Mike the Hobbit and you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com <laughs>